90% of all scientists that have ever been alive are alive today. That's a lot of information, but don't panic. It's not an exact science. Hey, Shannon, how are you? Uh, pretty good. I'm excited and depressed about this week's show, so. Why are you excited <laughs> and depressed about this week's show? We're going back to our summer manifestos and what we're going to do. So I revisited last year and I didn't do as much as I thought. Yeah, I know. It's <laughs> sometimes painful to go back. And, you know, I used to post these things like on the fridge where I had to see them every day. And I think I'm going to have to do that again this year because last year they slipped after the show. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, it will definitely help me out a lot, I think. Um, but I'll have to get out of... Um, Get out of Canyon City, Colorado first to get stuff done. Yeah, I was going yeah, to say, we, we hear some, some noise back there, I think. So yeah. <laughs> Yes, I apologize. <laughs> I sure am. Um, I will say I'm not surrounded by batteries this year, um, so that's nice. But uh, <laughs> I am surrounded by a lot of other people. So, um, yep, back to those noisy summer shorts. <laughs> yeah, which we'll try to keep short and fail at. <laughs> As always. Yes. <laughs> So yeah, I think I think it's a good idea to maybe start by revisiting exactly what we said we were going to do last year, and then maybe go on to this year and see what we're going to carry over. Oh, all right. You're right. Let's just rip off the Band-Aid. So I thought, you know, we're going to do this. This is a ki the official kickoff of our summer shorts. I'm going to look at this. And so last year I said I was going to work on my first proposal, get my dissertation ready for publication, uh, review what I did right and wrong in the classes that I taught get ready for my graduate student class and get my grad students out in the field and started on their thesis. And so how did that go? <laughs> well, uh, the proposal, I, I'm only, I'm a co-PI, but my part is not as large. So it was a rewrite of a previously submitted proposal. So did that. And unfortunately we got rejected, but we had really excellent comments. And so it wasn't one of those don't even bother to come back again. Um, <laughs> so I'm kind of excited. Right. So we're, re we're rewriting again right now. And um, we added some new stuff and a whole lot of outreach. Like that's real outreach, not the crap outreach you have to put in. But <laughs> And so I'm actually <laughs> super excited about that. And we're going to try to resubmit. So that one was successful insofar as I did it. <laughs> Get my dissertation ready for publication? Well, you would have thought that should have happened already. And it should have, but it hasn't. <laughs> <laughs> it's my second full year. I've taught a whole lot of classes and I don't know. I mean, it's a thing that a lot of academics, you know, you don't talk about, but people write sort of anonymous things about is this whole imposter syndrome and fear of rejection. And I've got this deep seated fear of rejection and I need to just get it out there and either get rejected or not and do it. But I wonder if, you know, if anyone else has these problems, they understand um, a little bit of why that hasn't happened yet. <laughs> Right. Um, so I need to get that done. I know we've talked about it. You and I have both talked about that a lot. Um, and it's something you have to, you really have to do that in academia. There's a really big renewed push at our university for more research, obviously, because as everyone knows, Oklahoma has a really big budget crisis on their hands. Um, and I'm going to have four graduate students starting in the fall. So I have a lot of little hungry birdies that need money. Right. <laughs> so hopefully I can... Um, <clears throat> I can get that going. So that one was a fail and a really big fail that I need to work on. And this uh, reviewing what I did right and wrong in my classes. Now, this one's interesting because this one calls in the tech aspect because when I first started doing that, I just put a Word document out there 
you can cringe and shudder. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I didn't know really how to, uh, how to, how to keep that document, you know, relevant where I'd look at it all the time. And so I started started trying in Evernote and then I tried it in my bullet journal. And so I'm trying to get the right tech where this right and wrong stuff to do in class list can live forever. And I know where it always is. Cause I think there's a lot of stuff that are somewhere down in the 20th folder of the 30th, you know, right. <laughs> universe of my computer that has some really good ideas in it. Um, so that was sort of, that one worked and it didn't. Um, getting ready for grad, grad class. Well, I did my first grad class last fall and it was successful. So that was good. Um, there you go. Green check mark on that one. Exactly. <laughs> and then uh, getting my grad students started on their thesis. Well, we had catastrophic instrument failure in the lab. So this one is sort of a three quarters of the way done because <laughs> we did make it out to Nevada. We had a really successful sampling trip. I talked about that uh, on here. It snowed on us. It was super fun. Um, yeah. And so they have a lot of samples and I kicked them in the rears and they got them all ready to go, but we're still waiting on the magnetometer to get returned to us. So, <laughs> so it's on its way. <laughs> so that's, yeah. uh, that's sort of, I, th I feel like that's beyond my control. So, yeah. Yeah. I think there's some that <laughs> you have to get a pass on, right? Right. Exactly. So, you know, I was, I was a little more than half and half, so I feel I feel better talking about it now, I guess. <laughs> yeah. How about you? What did your What did your list look like? Well, so last year I said I wanted to learn to program in Swift for mobile computing development. And I don't. Rem develop I don't remember talking about this with you. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's in the show. Uh, <laughs> and then develop some more classroom materials and demonstrations uh, because I've built a lot of demo gear and videos and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, work on some automation to try to free up some more mind space to do work by automating the easy things. And then, of course, like every good academic, uh, <laughs> submit a manuscript and have another draft ready. <laughs> and so, uh, what's your scorecard look like? I'm going to say I get a three out of four. That's, uh, pre that's pretty good. Somewhere in there. So I did not learn Swift, uh, but we'll come back to that in this year's goals. I did develop some new demonstrations, uh, like the rock squeeze test and all yeah. of that, that there are videos of out there. Um, I up my automation game some, like with Hazel, I can drop my cable bill, uh, my rent, uh, all these statements that come in the mail into the scanner, they scan to the Hazel inbox, it does text recognition, it recognizes what they are, and then files them away in the appropriate month and bill folder. Wow, that's terrifying so to trust, to trust I, I think, that. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that worked pretty well. There's still some more things I could do with it though. Uh, and I did submit a manuscript and then submitted it somewhere else and then submitted it somewhere else, but it's published now. <laughs> and uh, it came out in Nature Communications a few weeks ago now. Uh, and then we do have another draft that was partially ready by the end of the summer, and it's actually uh, just been accepted recently. Uh, congratulations. You clearly Thanks. don't... So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say three out of four, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, you clearly don't have these fears of rejection that I do. I'm going to have to... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> get coached on how to get over that. Um, that's awesome. Yeah, that sounds pretty successful. Um, 
I can't wait to learn why you didn't learn Swift, but um, so that's where we went wrong, where we went right. Yeah. So do you want to just uh, bounce back and forth on this year's goals? Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. So my first goal is to get more of this proposal written um, for another resubmit. Um, we're really limited because it's it's a big proposal in terms of drilling a core out in Colorado in this canyon, and the coring costs are super expensive. And that's really the only thing holding us back. Um, so we're going to beef up sort of the, if we get a core, what can we do with it? And you can do a lot of, a lot of PMAG studies with cores. Um, and even if the core isn't successful for this research, just having a core is a really good teaching tool, especially for uh, sedimentology. So we're going to write a lot of that in, and that's getting worked on right now. Oh, wow. So yeah. how, how deep do you want a core? Well, so it looks like that the core is about 250 to 300 meters long. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that's why it's expensive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a <laughs> lot of core. And, uh, you know, we're trying to hit this one sort of the uh, basement and overlying sediment boundary. And so that's sort of an unknown of where it is, which also adds a lot of potential expense on as well. So that's really the limiting factor, but you can't really get around it. So hopefully we beef it up enough to say, hey, even if this doesn't work for the original hypothesis, it's totally worth it for all these other reasons. Ah, great. Yeah. So that's the first thing on the docket. That's got to get done pretty soon. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's see. Uh, mine is actually going to be related to kind of what yours was last year, which is begin to tie together my dissertation document. <laughs> so I'm excited to see... Um, our graduate college, you they had a template for you, and of course it's a Word template, and they said, use this. What are you going so, to do? <laughs> well, we have Word and tech templates available. Wow. <laughs> uh, so I am definitely going to be using the tech template because I don't hate myself. <laughs> Man, it was awful. And they said, you know, you want to use this. Don't start writing it on your own. Use this. And it's just, the, ugh. I mean, I know it's out there to help you, but I don't know. It was not yeah, fun. And, well, so I'm going to experiment a little bit. All of my papers except the, I guess the last one and possibly the submitted one, were well, they were in tech. Uh, the most recent couple uh, had to do in Word to, so I could get some co-authors to work with it. <laughs> and so I'm going to have to translate the Word documents back into tech with the equations, which will be a little bit painful. Uh, but I'm probably going to venture back into the world of tech collaboration tools. Okay. Uh, because there's no better way to procrastinate than to play with the tools. <laughs> See, uh, and that's the part I hate is like <laughs> playing with the technology. I need to get over that fear, I think. Oh, see, that's that's the part I've spent the vast majority of the time on. And uh, it's not necessarily a good thing. But I, I do want to see... So basically what I'm going to be doing is taking the papers I've published during graduate school and stapling them together effectively uh, right. with a little bit of glue text for an introduction and a conclusion. Right. Uh, but there is still going to have to be some editing that goes on uh, between my advisors and I, which is why I want to use these collaboration tools so I don't have to deal with marked up PDFs all the time or copy and paste it into Word. Are you um, are you going to be successful in that? Do your collaborators know how to use these tools? Well, so that's what I'm looking at some of the things that are <laughs> online, like Overleaf, where you don't have to know tech to use them. Ah, okay. Uh, 
so we'll see how it goes. Um, I'm going to give them a shot, and if it completely fails, then I'll go back to some <laughs> hodgepodge system that I've used for other other documents. Oh, it's always great to kill, you know, 500,000 trees with 18 <laughs> dissertation revisions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I definitely, you know, either print on both sides or print on one side of a document and then flip the paper over and use the other side again at some point. Uh, yeah. to try to save paper when I do have to print. But yeah, avoiding printing would be good. So yes. that's that's my first one. Excellent. Um, I guess my next one is also sort of a little bit time-dependent, and it's um, just sort of keeping my grad students going. Um, obviously, this grad student, having to manage a grad student is a totally new thing for me, and trying to, you know, remember what it was like being a master's student, which was a while ago <laughs> for me. So... Um, <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a little bit tough. And hopefully, um, like I said, a little bit of that wasn't our fault. And then we did take our trip to Nevada back in April. And so they did a great job this last uh, right before we left um, for summer because summer jobs and one of them was having a baby and all this. So um, we have everything lined out and ready to go. And the magnetometer is supposed to be up in two weeks. <laughs> So there's um, there's that, and then getting my new graduate students, just sort of getting them office space and making sure, you know, we have the stuff that we need to get started right away is sort of the next order of business. So is your magnetometer coming back with a technician to help set it back up in your lab, or is it coming back in the crate and you get to do it yourself? Let's just say my stress level is super high, so which one do you think it is? <laughs> Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then the bad part is I'm not going to be there to help do it. So that's also not cool, but we'll see. Um, I have high hopes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's my All next right. One. Uh, let's see. Okay, so this one goes back to the Learn Swift, which I did not do last summer. Mm-hmm. And it is to make a web application. Like, do you have one in mind, or you just want to do one? Uh, so I've got a couple things in mind. And kind of the idea is, I, I talked to one of my friends that's a, a scientific programmer, and we were talking about different ways to do uh, data exploration, data visualization. And, you know, there's a lot more data exploration visualization happening in the browser now than there ever used to be. Right. Uh, I mean, I'm using I'm using a CAD tool right now to design 3D parts that lives entirely in the browser. I have nothing installed on my system. Wow. Yeah, which is, hmm. it's pretty mind-blowing that you can do that. You couldn't do that a few years ago. Oh, yeah, not even close. That's pretty interesting. Uh, yeah, so, you know, we were talking about it, and then we were talking about our software that we use to process data in the lab actually is starting to break on the newer versions of macOS and GTK. And so something has to be done with that. And we had this discussion of, well, do we want to maintain a software package or do we want to maintain an interface that people go to and upload their data and process it? Right. right. So it seems like JavaScript is kind of eating the world in terms of things that are running in the browser. And there's all these cool packages like D3 that do visualization and Agile Geoscience is uh, Matt Hall that was mm -hmm. on a few shows ago, is working on this really cool G3 library to wrap that with geoscience visualizations. So That's I really awesome. think that I want to learn how to do this. And I've started taking some steps, like spinning up uh, little 
server instances on the Amazon virtual elastic cloud uh, and playing even, with installing applications what, on that. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, basically, I, I'm getting server time from Amazon in the cloud, and then I'm spinning up little applications on it that I can get to from the web. Ah, okay. Uh, and so far, I haven't done anything remotely advanced. I've got some Hello World type examples running. Uh, but, you know, one thing, I, I have a researchy idea that if I can get it working uh, with one of my collaborators, I will probably be giving a talk on it in July. So more to come on that, hopefully, if this works. Uh, but I'd also like to, you know, maybe uh, cloud connect uh, some sensors just to play with getting data into the cloud and visualized on the web. Um, I'm really excited about this, mostly because, you know, we talked about rain sensors, and I, I think our rain sensors are going to happen, and I'm excited. Yeah, yeah, I think so. So that's going to be fun. And I, I do have on my website, you can see uh, data from a weather station in Arkansas that it basically downloads all the data and Python scripts run and repost files every few minutes. I'd like to move away from that to actually rendering all of the plots in the browser dynamically. So yeah, that's okay. that's why I want to learn how to do these web applications. Uh, that sounds super fun. And I sort of have, I'll, I'll skip down here on mine. Um, I sort of have a web-based thing too, although I feel like a toddler when I say it to you, is that I need to set up a web page. <laughs> <laughs> you do need a web page. <laughs> I, I, this has been on my to-do list. And I mean bullet journals my bullet journal is full of stuff and this is the one that i always keep pushing over and over again uh so if hannah last name redacted remembers <laughs> she was also <laughs> doing doing bullet journals so i'm sure that she will um feel my pain that i have pushed this to do item for well over a year and i just do i learn html or do i just like get one of these free ones that's easy to make what do i do um, I would say no to both of those. <laughs> so okay, <laughs> uh, I it's very hard to hand code a web page in HTML like we used to in the late nineties. <laughs> yeah, so that's my only experience with it was um, back when I was a student building those. <laughs> yeah, and I mean I, I did that too, and then you could. I, I remember HTML four just came out, and I got this huge like three and a half inch book that was the HTML four standard. Oh, and there man. are all these cool new things in the standard. I think I actually might have it back here on the shelf somewhere. Uh, awesome. But now we're we're well beyond that. And gotcha. Yeah, it's it's just hard to do that and have any kind of dynamic content and be secure. Okay. All from scratch. Uh, the free okay. websites generally either look not quite so great or have ads. You know, I, d I don't really want to do that either because, I mean, I get free web space to have – a. A web page. I just don't know the best way to start building it. Yeah, and I, I have never been comfortable putting all of my web content on a server that I am not administrating. Right. Yes. I, yeah. And I, I wondered about that too because I feel the same way. I wouldn't mind having just a link on my, you know, generic faculty web page. Hey, here's a link to my real web page. That's kind of right. my ultimate so, goal. Well, and so Penn State provides me a little bit of web space. And I actually have it where if you go to my Penn State web address, it just seamlessly redirects you to my actual web page. Oh, excellent. Okay. So you can do that. I, I kind of like, uh, well, I've used WordPress for my site. 
And that's actually hosted by a company called DreamHost, not an endorsement, just what I happen to use. Um, That's pretty good. It's a little bit fiddly sometimes. Uh, Occasionally, you have to get into the guts a little bit with WordPress. WordPress is the the Linux versus Windows of web page making. Gotcha. Then uh, there's Squarespace, which I actually use for one of my professional websites that... I I like it. The the interface is all drag and drop like blocks. I want an image here. I want a text block here. I want a video here. You just drag these things around. Uh, it took me a lot of getting used to because I am not a mouse person. I am a code and keyboard person. <laughs> okay. Uh, that's actually what we built our wedding website with as well. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, and they're not bad. I think for a personal website, you're looking at something in the neighborhood of 8 to $10 a month. Oh, and that's a that's a fairly good price? Yeah, no, I think that's a pretty good price. Uh, depending on the server, the server that runs my web page and the podcast is uh, hundreds of dollars a year. Okay, yeah, so yeah. 10 bucks, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> Okay, so, so those are ones that are still out there being used. Okay, all right, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to think about that then. All right. And just uh, not worry about HTML. <laughs> yeah, no, I... I wouldn't bother with that. <laughs> okay. Sounds great. I assumed that that wasn't the answer, but I figured you would tell me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's see. I think the next one is actually more of a personal goal instead of a professional goal, and it's a very nerdy one. <laughs> Man, is uh, it ever. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to get my general class ham radio license. Yep. Pushes up glasses on nose, right? <laughs> Um, I guess I don't, I don't understand this. Like you, aren't you a ham radio operator now? I am, but there are actually three levels of licensing for ham radio operators. I did not know this at all. Ham radio is something that, uh, nerds, well, I guess electronics (laughs) nerds are into. So a lot of people that are listening probably don't know about it. Uh, basically you take a test that proves that, you know, uh, radio and electronics and RF theory. And the FCC grants you permission to transmit on certain radio frequency bands. So you can talk to other people all around the world or even to the space station uh, by transmitting and maintaining your own radio gear and antenna systems. And it's a really nerdy, mathy engineering hobby. So I love it. <laughs> it is. And it's been around forever. I mean, this is like the original Facebook. Yeah. I mean, it's the original social network. There were nets yeah. of people that would meet on regular schedules. And it's still used heavily during disasters after tornadoes, hurricanes, all of these tragic events strike and take out things like cellular communication infrastructure. They rely on ham radio operators to help get information around. And that's actually one thing that ham radio has been known for throughout its history is its large public service component. That's really awesome, and hopefully there's still, you know, a significant amount of users of it, because obviously that's still pretty important. Yeah, and so I got my my first license, which is called a technician class. I think I was around 13 or so. Wow. And it's a multiple-choice test, uh, and I've always intended on upgrading and never have got around to it. And I seem to have some kind of pathological desire to continually be gaining certifications. (laughs) And taking tests. So uh, I got the general class, which is the next class book from the library. 
And then when I was at the book sale a few weekends ago, I actually found the extra class study manual for a buck fifty. Oh, nice! And the extra <laughs> class is the highest uh, radio operation license a civilian can achieve in a non-commercial band. Awesome. Does uh, it just have to do so, with increasing your knowledge, or? Yes. So the technician okay. test, you have to know how to calculate links of various antennas for various things, a little bit about radiation patterns. Uh, some common etiquette, very basic electronics. General mm-hmm. class, you have to know a lot more electronics, a lot more math, be able to do some antenna analysis. Uh, and extra class, you actually dive pretty deep into RF theory and how things actually work. Oh, cool. Yeah. So this this shouldn't be too hard for you. It's just a time commitment, I'm guessing. I don't know that it'll... It, we'll see. Uh, I'm curious to see how I, how it goes because when you pay to take the test... You can, if you pass it, you can take the next test up while you're there for no additional fee. Ah, nice. Okay. Uh, so if you if you take and pass the general, you can take the extra class while you're sitting there. Uh, gotcha. And it's just one of those things that I, I don't have a radio up here right now that I could even utilize the permissions with. Mm-hmm. But it's a good way to force yourself to learn something new. Right, right. Uh, that's cool. Um, speaking of learning something new, I guess that's... That's sort of my next uh, item on my list. And this is a forced one, which is why I put it on here, because I know that next year I'll be able to say, I did this <laughs> and check it off. <laughs> and that is um, in July, I'm going to be teaching a high school geoscience academy. Oh. Yeah. So <laughs> how, it, it's, since it's in the summer, is this a, like a something that the students enroll in voluntarily or? Right, exactly. How are you getting so, students? It, yeah, so that's exactly what it is. Um, our university has these pre-collegiate programs, and you can apply to be a part of them. And so you get to come and stay in the dorms and have the whole sort of pre-college experience while learning about something that you like. So these exist for engineering and a lot of other programs. And so um, they have a one-week program for geology. And so I'm going to get 30, 14, and 15-year-olds. And uh, basically they said, here's some money. Do whatever you want. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> funny enough is this is how I essentially got into OU. I was always interested in the geosciences, but I came for a three-week academy that was um, geology, meteorology, and geography. And so that's where... And so you did one you of know. each? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. It was, a week, it was a week of each, and I decided to do them all. Um, <laughs> so that's what, that's what we're going to be doing, which I'm excited about because... Um, you were talking about working on sort of working up some new classroom things. And we've built a lot of, we, we built that connects topographic sand table that, you know, has topography that interacts as you move the sand around. So we have that, we have this really great stream table and a flume and all this cool stuff. So we're going to try to work that in, um, to our program and do a lot, use a lot of the demo stuff that we have in our department that may be underutilized. Um, so one of my graduate students and I are going to be doing this and I'm super scared because they're high school students and that's a scary time. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so we'll see, but that's a, that's a force thing. So that's the second week of July. And, um, I'm really excited about it because this was actually a super meaningful experience for me. You know, my roommate was the, that I had in high school, was the roommate that I had in college and, you know, we're still best friends and it was a really cool time. So I'm really excited to be able to sort of do it again. Yeah. That sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. We'll have to uh, check in on that. 
Oh, absolutely. I'm sure I'll have tons of great stories about it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's see. So I guess sort of related to that, and this ties into some of what I did last year. Uh, This is going to be prepare for my first class. (laughs) I am super excited about this for you. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So my advisor and I are going to co-teach a class that we have decided to name Techniques in Geophysical Experimentation. That sounds innocuous enough. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to cover a lot of things, uh, like how you measure different things in the laboratory or in the field. Uh, so everything from sensing theory and basic signal analysis, some basic electronics, a little bit of basic engineering. So how do you design, you know you need a bracket to hold up your magnetometer or hold hold something in your magnetometer. So how do you design it where it's strong enough to do it, but not too strong and wasteful of materials? Right. And then how do you communicate that to the machine shop so that they can make it and not charge you a ton (laughs) for doing the drafting? (laughs) Uh, So there's a lot of things like that that we're going to try to cover. It's going to be a really fast-paced class, and it's going to be project-based, which I love because that means people get their hands on hardware, which, as you know, I think that's the only way to learn. Yep, exactly, exactly. Um, I think being out here at field camp, everyone is learning that getting your hands on what you actually talk about in the classroom is the only way to learn anything. So, yeah, that's really neat. Yeah, so we're, we're working on right now, we've got a basic outline of the course, so I'm working up the assignments, the actual text of the assignments, and trying to get as much of it done beforehand as we can so it can kind of run on its own. Yeah, that's a big um, deal. <laughs> yeah, as we'll I've see learned. how that goes. Uh, and we're working right now to try to go ahead and order a bunch of Arduinos and sensors for people to play with and actually uh, take with them after the class is done. Oh, awesome. Um, do you have an idea? I know grad students are pretty lazy and don't enroll until way later. Um, do you have an idea about how many people are going to be taking it? Uh, we don't. We're we're capping it at 20. I don't think we'll hit that. Gotcha. Uh, if I had to guess, I'm going to say about a dozen or so. That's a nice, comfortable number. Yeah. Yeah, I think it should be fun. And the idea is going to be, you know, you do these little projects along the way, but you also are working on a semester project that is something you need in your research that you don't have. And throughout right. the course of the semester, we're going to help you acquire the skills to build it. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Um. Okay, so talking about acquiring skills, that's my last one. And I haven't even written it on here because I want to hear your um, non, non, uh, non-scrubbed out, your totally original excitement about this. Um, yeah, I'm really curious because it says redacted <laughs> for on-air excitement in the show notes. Uh, exactly. Um, so I'm going to master my new MacBook. Oh. <laughs> you came little... to the... You came to the dark side. Oh, that was a little little triumphant haha on your part. <laughs> um, yeah, so we have we've built this classroom that we is the technology intensive classroom, and we got some money that we can buy a lot of tablets and stuff to use. And so I went ahead and bought iPads. <laughs> right. Uh huh. As opposed to. Um, Android tablets, um, even though I, I mostly use the Android tablet. And so I thought, you know what, I'm going to go all out. And I bought a MacBook for it, too. Um, I had to ask my friend Stacy 18 times how to open pages and how to go between the different things. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think the learning curve is going to be steep because I am a deeply entrenched Windows user. So um, we'll see how it goes. 
fascinating. <laughs> yeah. I'm really curious to hear what you think of it. So is this the the smaller MacBook with like the scrunched up keyboard? Uh no, it's the it's the honker. It's the it's the fifteen inch um big boy. Oh, all right. Yeah, I don't know anything else about it besides it's the fifteen inch one with the biggest processors and fastest stuff because we had money to do it. So I said, Give me that big one over there. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's it. That's how it worked. <laughs> All right, well, we'll definitely have to uh, offline spend some more of your money on recommending a bunch of apps for you to get. (laughs) I assumed that something like that would follow. Um, I think this is pretty funny because you bought that Windows Surface, and now I have a MacBook, so... You know, this is a topic for another show, but I'm becoming increasingly operating system ambivalent. Wow, Uh, I would be interested about that. it, It ties back more into I'm trying to do as much stuff in the browser as I can. Right. Huh. Interesting. Well, this and is then, a like, summer. In Dropbox. Sh- oh, yeah. Dropbox. God, we all love that. Well, this is a summer short, so we should probably uh, move on. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to be that short, but I think we should go uh, to <laughs> maybe the last segment and revisit some of these throughout the summer. But uh, yes. that means it's time for Fun Paper Friday. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> so I let you pick again, which is always dangerous. That's <laughs> extremely. And what I got emailed earlier today was duration of urination does not change with body size by Yang et al. Uh, So as you know, I've been in the field. And so a lot of um, my field thinking is taken up with what tree can I pee behind? (laughs) Looking for trilobites, as we say. Uh, yes, yes, that is that is the euphemism that we use. Um, and, you know, it's it's pretty hot here, so there's not a lot of big trees, so it's actually quite a problem. And that led me to stumble upon this paper. <laughs> and it's kind of interesting. I know you've got some issues with it, but um, the pictures, if yes. anything, are really, really weird. <laughs> uh, yeah. Capturing high-speed video of, what was it, 20-something animals urinating. <laughs> right, it's exactly. got to be high on the weird dirty jobs list uh yes so there's a little significance um article (laughs) or a paragraph that goes along with this and it talks about how um we do a lot of we look at animal studies when in medical and veterinary urology and it relies on these simple non-invasive methods to characterize the health of the urinary system and so they're looking at this and talking about just the differences between sort of small animals and big animals and then trying to do some modeling um, of how their whole urinary tracts work. Yeah, and I thought this was kind of cool. It's in PNAS, uh, Mm -hmm. so Proceedings of the National Academy of Science, and they do have that box that's supposed to tell you why you should care before you have to read anything else in the paper. Right. Um, I really like that about PNAS articles. Um, so it's kind of cool. And so, you know, it says animals, all animals pee, obviously, is essentially the very eloquently worded first <laughs> sentence on there. And, you know, why do we care? Basically, we're trying to quantify this stuff. Um, so they took, so like you said, they filmed the urination of 16 animals. And the best part of this whole paper was they and obtained 28 videos of urination from YouTube. Right. <laughs> Uh, that's crazy. Um, to try to test like how long animals pee and can you, can you quantify it essentially? Yeah. And well, so they also actually collected the urine as well. 
in they said various shape containers. So anything from tiny because they looked at rats up to very large for the elephant. Right. Uh, and so actually one thing that they did during the analysis that I highlighted is at the very end of the paper in the materials and methods is for smaller animals that actually urinate through individual droplets instead of streams or sheets. Mm-hmm. Uh, they use this software called Tracker to measure the time evolution of the drops. And okay. I have used Tracker before. It is a fully open source software. You can take a video with your iPhone, load it in, pick distinct objects and say, track this object through time or track its change in size through time. And it produces numerical data out. Uh, it's a very cool tool. And I used it to track Frisbees. But <laughs> it's actually a really handy thing that you should download and play with. Oh, awesome. Uh, I figured you would also like the fact that high-speed cameras, it seems to be one of your favorite things too, so. Yeah, yeah, we have to have high-speed cameras in Fun Paper Friday. <laughs> right, uh, exactly. <laughs> it's so kind of a requirement. Th- they quickly get into the crux of this that is independent of your body size, You, we all urinate for about the same amount of time. This is unbelievable to me. Um, that was kind of crazy. And so, so right. So the urinary system is isometric, basically, is that it's proportionally scaled down. And as you just said, small animals sort of pee in drips and large animals pee in sheets. Yes, there are pictures of these <laughs> in the paper. Um, and so, you know, an elephant pees the same amount as a mouse. Just it's a scaling issue. Right. So they say 21 plus or minus 13 seconds is the right. average duration. Right. Which, that's a pretty wide confidence interval, but hey, it's within an order of magnitude. Right, exactly. (laughs) And so they wind up, you know, um, sort of graphing these durations versus how big the animals are, and they get roughly a straight line. Well, so here's where I start having issues. (laughs) So this graph, it has mass on the x-axis and duration on the y, Mm -hmm. but it is a log-log plot. Right. Meaning that each tick on each axis is a factor of 10 different. Right. So, there, so you know Richter, right? From Richter scale fame. Right. So he has this quote that says, I was lucky because logarithmic plots are a device of the devil. <laughs> and it's... It's true in the fact that you can plot almost anything on a log-log plot, and there's a relation. Uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> because it's that's such awesome. a broad thing. Now, uh, they say that this is roughly scale-independent, which on a log-log plot should mean a perfectly horizontal line. Right. This line clearly has a trend. Yeah, it certainly does. So the exponent to this is the duration is proportional to the animal's mass to the 0.13 power. So it's not a very strong trend. Mm-hmm. Right. But uh, so roughly scale independent is an okay analysis, but not quite scale independent. Right. Yeah. Uh, it, and it's there's nothing wrong close. with Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with log log plots if you use them <laughs> intelligently. I don't think this was an unintelligent use of one, but I just right. have a little bit of a problem uh, when people show data on a log log plot and don't make it obvious by either labeling it or having the tick marks sub tick marks on right there. showing that it is in fact that yeah that's true because if you just glance at it you would think this is a linear oh you absolutely plot. would yep yeah. you absolutely would that is very true in fact i didn't even notice it until i until you pointed it out so 
So, yeah. And well, in the same figure, actually, one of the interesting things is they've looked at the urethra of some animals, and it's not just a tube. It's actually this bumpy, wally thing that yes. probably changes shape when it's pressurized. Uh, yeah, I thought that was actually really cool um, as well, because they have, you know, what you think it's going to look like, and then some animals look like that, and then, yeah, this really weird thing that looks just like a, looks like a canyon on a topo map. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, let's see. They said that the average bladder pressure uh, that the smooth muscles on the outside of the bladder exert is about 5.2 kilopascals, which for those of you that speak in Yankee units, that is about one pound per square inch. <laughs> yeah, that's, um, <laughs> I thought this was interesting. And when I looked up that, I saw that one pound per square inch. I had to go back and look at our penguins pooping fun paper that we, <laughs> that we did. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's about half of what the average respiratory pressure of an animal right. is. And apparently that's also scale independent. Yeah. This is really interesting to me, and I always find it, it's funny, I always pick these life science papers, because it's something I never, um, never pay attention to, but I didn't even, I didn't even assume that this could be a thing. Yeah. Scale, and scale independence. Yeah, definitely. Well, and there is, in the, uh, towards the end of the paper, there's something I thought should have been in the significance box, uh, where they were saying that, you know, <laughs> engineers could use this to design hydrodynamic systems for water towers, storage tanks, backpacks, whatever. Right, that exactly. have scale-independent flow. Right, and and they talk about, yes, I thought that too. I thought that was more significant, but I think maybe it's because we're engineering-ish minded. Um, um, they also looked a little bit too at the uh, gravitational forces on acting on the urine and then, you know, the rate of urine expulsion as well. And obviously that, unsurprisingly, that's stronger in larger animals. So, and actually this paper is in public domain. It's not behind any paywalls. So you can go to the link in the show notes and download it for yourself. Look at all of these figures and follow the mathematical model if you want. It's got all kinds of wonderful dimensionless fluid dynamics numbers that will... <laughs> Uh, have you looking things up <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, yeah that was a that was a fun little paper and like i said it's something i think a lot about when i'm out in the field so <laughs> yeah well if you have any suggestions for fun paper friday or think that there's anything we missed or want to share with us your summer manifesto actually if you write it down take a picture of it and put it on twitter and tag us that'd be great it'd be a lot of fun to see what everybody's doing and also hold us all a little bit more accountable if you put it out there, uh, you should do that and uh, get a hold of us. So, Shannon, how can they do that? Absolutely. Um, I need some of that accountability. So, send us your manifestos. Um, tag us at Don't Panic Geo. John is at Geo underscore Lehman. I am at Shannon Doolin. And as always, you can email us show at Don't Panic Geocast.com. And until next week, remember Don't Panic. It's not an exact science. Any opinions, findings, conclusions, or recommendations expressed are solely ours and do not necessarily reflect the views of our employers or funders.